Jesus is king over this remarkably different world that we're currently living in. And it's just such a joy to have stable things in our lives where we can join together as church community in a different way, perhaps, uh, and break bread and take wine together. So remember, the main thing is the main thing. And uh, it's unusual, isn't it? This isn't the kind of church service we'd choose, most of us, if we're honest. Perhaps it is for you, but for me, I would much rather see hundreds of you in this room with us today and for us to be enjoying physical contact with one another. But that's not for right now. But, you know, with, with every challenge, there's a new possibility and a new opportunity I was just uh, chatting to my daughter, my teenage daughter, Evie, this week. And uh, I was saying to her, hey, Evie, cool, I'm going to be a YouTuber and, uh, and we're going to take church online. It's a whole new way of communicating. And she just rolled her eyes and walked off shaking her head. And uh, I think, I'm sure, I think that was teenage speak for dad. I'm so proud to have a YouTube pastor for a dad. So, uh, but anyway, that's not what we choose, but in this season, God will give us fresh opportunities. That was the word that was coming in the worship, wasn't it, that, that Chris and Mary were sharing. And I believe that because I read in the book of Acts. In Acts 2, you find one of the best churches in the world, probably the best church ever. It's thousands of people. And yet one day a persecution breaks out against the church and everybody has to scatter right across the Roman Empire. And there's only 12 people left must have felt like a failure. But do you know, that was the greatest moment in the life of the church in those early days, because through that scattering, God started using those people to go wherever they scattered and to start telling other people about Jesus, sharing his love with them. And those people became Christians and then churches got started and it went all the way around the world and it has been ever since. So I want to encourage you, church, to embrace this season in faith and not with fear, And to say, God, what are you doing in this season? And how can you use me in this season to make you known where I am? And this is kind of part of what we're meant to be as a church. We want to be a church for all of Edinburgh. Well, today we're a church for all of Edinburgh because we are sat right across this city in our homes today. So God's calling us and choosing us for such a time. And in a moment, I'm going to speak to you just for a few minutes about an event in the life of David. But just to let you know what's coming up in the next couple of weeks, just so you're aware, uh, we thought we'd like to revert to a preaching series that we were planning for a while uh, leading up to Easter, which is in three weeks' time. And uh, we've got two weeks, therefore, where we're going to be preaching on the cross of Jesus, and we've got Jen Rawson preaching next Sunday, and we've got Luke David Ditus preaching the Sunday after that, and then we're going to have an Easter celebration. It's going to be totally brilliant, unusual, but we're going to be celebrating the main things of what Christianity is all about. But today, I want to speak to you from the story of David. He's one of our favorite characters in the Bible. And this isn't his most famous story, which is probably David versus Goliath. We know that one. It's probably not his worst story where he commits adultery, but it's a story of when he's under incredible pressure together with all the people he's with and how he deals with that situation. I don't know if you're feeling the pressure this week. It feels like this whole world has changed in the last seven days. I've heard the the word unprecedented used an unprecedented number of times this week. And uh, it feels like that's just going to keep happening. And that can make us fearful. But, you know, God is in charge of all these things. And actually, this this story from the life of David 
helps us to understand what it looks like to move in faith and trust God in a season of pressure. So I'm going to read from 1 Samuel chapter 30. The words will appear on the screen in front of you. And the story is of David returning home with all of his soldiers, his, his mighty men, in, after they've forced a campaign, they're tired and they're heading home to Ziklag, which is their home where their families live. And we pick up the story in verse 3. When David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives, let's not go into that, had been captured. Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. So that's a pretty brutal incident, isn't it? They're on their way home. They're making their way over the brow of the hill. Their their footsteps are quickening because they're nearly home. And loved ones who they haven't seen for months are going to be there to hug and embrace. And they come over the brow of the hill and they see smoke. And they see desertion. And they run and they find to their horror of horrors that all of their possessions have gone and all of their dear loved ones are no longer there. They've been kidnapped by raiding Amalekites. In this story, it's fair to say that they are facing unprecedented levels of emotional challenge, unprecedented levels of exhaustion. It says they were, so, they, 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 they were weeping so much, they, they were t- so tired, they couldn't even weep anymore. And they're facing unprecedented levels of confusion and uncertainty. And you know what happens when you're exhausted and emotionally challenged and stretched? You look for somebody to blame. And usually that person is the person in charge. And I don't know about you, I I think the the leaders of our nation, both in Scotland and in Westminster, are actually doing a pretty remarkable job at the moment. But there'll probably be a a time comes when the knives will come out for them because people will get angry. And I want you to remember this story when that happens because that's just human nature. But I want you to see that one person acts very differently to all the others in this story. There's one person who is equally exhausted, equally stressed, equally anxious about his family, his loved ones, his wife and his children, and equally anxious for his own life. Yet he behaves entirely differently. He has a very different way of acting. I think today God is looking for men and women in this current crisis we're in who act and live very differently. And that person, of course, is David. And we read just this one-liner about him, which says what, he, what was different about him in this situation. I don't know if you spotted it. In verse 6, this is how he responded. It says, But David found strength in the Lord his God. David found strength in the Lord his God. Simple. That was it. That's what he did in the situation that alleviated the panic, the crisis he was feeling, the emotions, the tiredness. 
This was the turning point of the entire story. This situation is going to get turned around. We're going to see that in a few minutes, where all of these children and family members are going to be rescued, all of them. But this is the turning point. It's where David meets God. And I don't know about you, when I read a phrase like that, I'm now expecting when I read in the verses below that it will tell me exactly what he did to meet God. It doesn't tell us anything. It just says, but David found strength in the Lord his God. And initially I was disappointed when I read that, but then I thought, you know, that verse itself, it tells us a tremendous amount. And there's three things I believe this verse tells us. It tells us a where, a who, and a what. And I want to look at those three things for us today. What does it mean to find your strength in the Lord your God? Well, let's look at the where, because it's where, who, and what, www. It's what it's all about these days, isn't it? So here's the where. David knew where to find help. Here's the great truth for you to believe in this next few weeks. I receive help when I know where to look for it. And David knew where to look was God. He was convinced that there was help available. Every news broadcast from the government this week keeps reassuring us that help is available for anybody who is going to suffer crisis and loss through this period. But David had a bigger resource. He was going to a bigger government. He was going to a bigger official and saying, well, this is where my help is found. He wrote famously Psalm 23. It's his most famous psalm. It starts, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall lack nothing. But then it goes on in verse 4. It says, even though I walk through the darkest valley... I'll fear no evil, for you are with me, and your rod and staff, they comfort me. This is how David often lived his life, in perpetual concern that he was about to die. He was often being hounded. And he said, it's like the mountain of death is casting its shadow over me all of the time. But his response was, I don't fear that, because God's with me. The companionship of God is worth more than anything. I'm aware as I talk to you today that some of you uh, will be listening to this at home by yourself in isolation or because you live alone. I want to reassure you right now that God's enough for you. God's enough. God is near to you. He's your companion. He's the friend who sticks closer than a brother. He's near to all who call on him. It says in James 4 verse 8, somebody pointed out this scripture to me the other day because with all the obsession with hand washing, somebody said, you know, there's a Bible verse about that. In James 4 8, it says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And uh, I I was fairly uh, unamused by the uh, washing your hands bit, but the first part of that verse, isn't that remarkable? Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. In fact, even better than that, Once you take a step towards God, you find he's already taken a hundred steps towards you because that's the God he is. In another psalm, not written by David, but one of his colleagues, he said this, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? And you can imagine somebody who is surrounded in a military kind of environment where they were and you're surrounded, you're outnumbered by a foreign army and and you think, we are curtains here. And this psalmist, he reminds himself. He says, 
I'm looking around. I'm looking to the mountains. I'm looking to see if there's any friends or allies or people who are going to help me in the distance. Perhaps that's the hope. That somebody somewhere will be able to do something. But then this psalmist, he brings it back and he says, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Not there. Here. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Friends, I want to encourage you in this difficult season. Don't just thumb through your news feed thinking, I hope the help will come. It will do in time, I'm sure. But in the meantime, there's a help and a hope that comes from your Father in heaven. And in the interim period, we find that God has prepared the way for us. I was reminded of the story of Moses going through the wilderness with the people of Israel, and they happen to stop at a rock, and everybody is saying, we are so thirsty, we're going to die. And what we learn in that story is that God had providentially led them to the place where in creation, quite some time earlier, he had created a spring underneath the earth so that at the tap of a rod, water would flow forth. God is enough for you in this season. Wherever you are, he's got this covered. He knows where we're at and he's got this. So that's the first thing. I receive strength when I go looking for it. I need to know where to find it and I find it in God. Here's the second thing. It's the who. I receive strength when I know who God is. And David clearly knew who God was in this story. I don't know if you noticed that when we read it, that the word Lord was in capital letters. Did you see that? And uh, uh, if the word is in capital letters, what I mean, he says, it found strength in the Lord his God. He didn't say found his strength in God, found in the Lord his God. When you read that word Lord, It means it's the personal name of God used in the Old Testament. Yahweh or Jehovah, we might translate it in other other translations. That's to say, David wasn't just taking a pot shot on God and thinking, well, maybe God can help. He was saying, I'm calling on the one that I know has proven track record in the whole of history to help his people out when they need it. And it began with Moses at the burning bush when God revealed himself as I am who I am, I will be who I will be. And in that episode, God was saying, I'm all that you need, Moses. Moses was saying, I can't do this. And God said, I am who I am, and I will be who I will be, and I'm that for you, Moses. God is a covenant God, and he's God for his people. He governs us, he loves us, he looks out for us, he leads us through every season. And I imagine as David thought about this God, this Lord, L-O-R-D in capital letters, the God of covenant who he knew from the past, he'd have reminded himself of all of the incidents that God had led them through, leading his people through the Red Sea and through the wilderness, delivering his people on many an occasion. You know, it's so important that when we put our hope in God, we're not just thinking futuristically, but we're basing it on his track record with our lives and with the lives of all his people in history. Put your hope in him. And for David, in Psalm 143, he said, I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. And 
Uh, you can go on a couple of scriptures, please, uh, tech team. Big shout out, by the way, for all tech teams up and down the country this weekend. You are the heroes of churches. A uh, couple more slides forward, please. Psalm 143, next one. Okay, that's fine. Um, and it, it, it comes out of love for the word. To remember what God has done, it comes out of love for his word. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the one who meditates on the law of the Lord. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit, fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. For some of us, we might be fearful. That, well, if we don't meet as a church like this for a couple of months, then we, we might wither. We might die. Well, here's a great promise for you in Psalm 1, that if you deepen your relationship with God, as has already been shared, then your leaf will not wither. You're going to keep bearing fruit in season. Some of you parents, you'll be using the brilliant King's Kids resources that Rachel Fleming and the team have provided. It's available on the Facebook page because you're going to be the primary teachers of spirituality to your children, and you've always been that anyway. But, but as, we, as you use those resources, God's going to help you to bring your children through to more mature understanding of faith. We receive strength when we know who God is. And here's a thought. Obviously, David uh, lived in the Old Covenant before Jesus, but what we read of in the New Testament is that Jesus is the same as I am. He's the same as the Lord Jehovah. And in Hebrews 1, it tells us this about him, which is an amazing thought for you. It says, In the last days, God has spoken to us by his Son, Jesus, through whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he also made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Here's something to consider. It's not just about God helping us in this season. It's about us understanding our part in his glorious plan and purpose. And those verses tell us three things about Jesus. It says that he's the heir of all things, that one day... Everything is going to be about Jesus. All of our lives, all of this season of history is all going to lead forward to the glory and honor of Jesus Christ. So he's, the future is all in him. What about the past? Well, it says that nothing was created that has been created without him. He was there at creation. It said that in that verse. And you think, well, that's great to know that Jesus is the past and the future, but what about right now? Well, it said in that verse, he sustains all things by his powerful word. He's enough for you right now. His presence, his glorious presence in your life by his Holy Spirit. It's all about him. I want to encourage you to deepen your relationship with him in this season. I mean, let's face it, we haven't got a lot else to do with our time. Why don't you do what I do and what some others do? Take the King's Bible reading plan. We'll be sending it out again on Tuesday's email. And just read through either the Old Testament, New Testament. I'm just doing the New Testament, one chapter every day. I read it. I ask God to speak to me. And then I text what I feel like he's saying to me to a couple of other people just to help me focus and to, to, uh, to process what I've read. God will grow your faith in this season when you find out who he is. And that sets you up. For, to be less fearful of the future. 
Thirdly and finally, it's the what. What, uh, what does it look like for me to find strength in God? Well, what we find in the rest of this story that we didn't read is that, that David received strength as he acted in faith. So it wasn't just a holy moment, but actually on the back of this encounter with God, he chose to act differently. And today I want to encourage you to make choices. And here's the first and perhaps most obvious choice that you could make. Perhaps you're watching this today and you think, I I don't even know if I'm a Christian or not. I'm looking for hope and I'm feeling anxious. Well, here's the first thing you can do, the first action you can do to find help in God and that's to put your trust in Jesus. It's to, to believe that he took your sin on the cross and that he rose again so that the barrier between you and God could be removed so that you could experience peace in your life and hope for eternity to come. If you'd like to find out more about that, there's an email address going to appear on the screen just below me now. Um, pod at kingschurchedinburgh.org. Email that address and somebody will be in touch with you to show you how they could just explain this to you a bit more clearly. Here's the second way, though, that, you can, that we, we can respond. We see that David didn't act alone. He was going to rescue everybody, but he couldn't do it by himself. He needed to engage and energize with all his other men and to say, God's spoken to me and we're going to do this together. I want to encourage you in this season not to be a loner, but to reach out in community in whatever way you can. A lot of it is going to be online, digitally, for this next while, but I believe you can do that. And I believe as you find strength in God, and as you engage in community, it's going to lift other people's spirits, and great victories are going to be brought about, and people's lives are going to be changed. Here's a couple of applications of that. I'd love to encourage you, if you're part of a small group in Kings, to join with others using conferencing software that we've spoken to small group leaders about. It's very, very straightforward, and we've had some great feedback from small groups who've used it. Don't think, oh, that's not for me, that's not going to work. I think this is going to be really important and helpful for you to do this over this next few weeks. If you're not part of a small group, you can email this address, small groups at King's Church Edinburgh. Chris will pick that up and we will link you to one or we will create a new small group whereby you can just connect. For some of you, this will actually be easier than attending a real small group and you've struggled with that for, uh, for various reasons over, uh, over the years with kids and stuff at home. You can connect digitally and share life together. Why is that important? Because after we've done church like this, and you turn off this live screen, wouldn't it be great if your phone started pinging with friends in your small group who started saying, what did you think? How are you doing? Are you feeling supported? Can I do anything for you? Anybody help me because I'm in isolation. It's so, so important to be in community. David knew that, and I want us to learn that as well. But here's the other way that we create community in faith. We do it with those who are around us. On our street, in our neighbourhood, people that we care about at work, who are just as anxious, if not more, than us. And we reach out to them with the love of God. And we say, can we help? Can we support? Can we do stuff together? Can we Skype? Can we text one another just to check we're doing okay? Church, I want this to be a season where we look out for many other people. 
I know it's, it's kind of hard to get to grips with everything that's going on in our own lives this week. Schools cancelled, workplaces closed down, restaurants closed down. Some of you lost jobs. I'm so aware of all of those things. God is more than enough for us. And out of the overflow of what he is for us, we can be a blessing to so many other people as well. So I want to encourage you, church, go for it in this season. We're going to keep meeting like this. We may need to, to meet in somebody's home or do it, do it live from people's homes in future weeks. We just don't know what the uh, changes are going to be over this next few weeks. But we are going to do something every Sunday morning and uh, also in your small groups by conferencing software. So God bless you. I'm going to uh, pray. Ephesians 3 verse 16 says this. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how high and wide and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.